0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Unchurchable. The topic of deconstruction has come up a lot in blog pieces and podcast episodes over the course of my little deconstruction journey, but I've never stopped to actually talk about what it is, how to cope with it, and what the research says about it. Phil Drysdale is an absolute treasure trove of information on all of this, and I'm so glad he dropped by the podcast to talk about it. I think one of the roughest things about deconstructing faith is feeling alone in it, facing that deep sense of existential dread solo. The ability to understand what deconstruction is, that there are lots of us and that we are not alone is therefore a powerful thing. Phil has lots of wisdom to share over the course of this hour and I'm so grateful for this session on a personal level, but I also know there's a lot of value in what he has to say for anyone who is deconstructing, no matter where they are on that journey. Um, I said 2.0 is really doing a number on a lot of us, but I hope you are surviving this little apocalypse okay. Um, My thoughts go out to everybody who is under lockdown or facing their own sort of anxieties during this time. But anywho, on with the show, I'm Kit Kennedy and this is Unchurchable. Hello, Phil Drysdale, I'm hailing from the UK and talking about deconstruction. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you doing? Are you Very life? good.
0: Oh, yeah. Look, it's a rollercoaster 2020, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was literally just tweeting about how um, CNN is reporting that President Trump... Uh, has had his people contact the South Dakota uh, governor about having his face carved onto Mount Rushmore. And I thought, you know what, 2020 can't get too much more weird, can it?
1: (laughs) Nope, nope. But, you know, we've still got some months left and, uh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yes,
0: that's that's encouraging. And, you know, know, (laughs) as I was kind of prepping for this interview, I thought, oh... You know the Australian kind of worldview when it comes to politics is very America centric, but mm. you guys over where you come from have just had Brexit, and you've got the Honourable Bojo as yeah. your um, as your Prime Minister. So what's it like from where you sit? Uh,
1: it's. I, I think we're all um, we're all seeing a. Slight shift, maybe slight is probably an understatement as well, back towards um, a more um, conservative uh, stance that many people in a psychological state where they are seeking safety, certainty, security, Mm -hmm. um, they they are scared by progression, by moving forwards. And I think the world has seen a lot of progression, a lot of moving forwards, a lot of diversification, a lot of uh, unification in other ways. Um, a lot of globalization, and and a lot of people are scared by that, and the only thing they know to do is to step backwards, um, and so yeah. that's that's what's happening, and and I think it's a pretty natural progression, and we're seeing it. You know, see it in Australia, see it in America, see it in the UK, yeah. Um, yeah. and I, I think quite a lot of Europe is, uh, um, yeah. Is, is shifting in some of those ways as well but the the overall trend is up the overall trend is forwards you know the 2020 yeah. will be the blip you know like it's <laughs> i don't know you look at the stock uh, market over you know 100 years and you see yes. 2008 you see the 90s bubble but it keeps going up and i don't know yeah. how sustainable that is who knows let's not go there but oh gosh, humanity is going up we're moving forwards we're becoming a bit more healthy and um mm.
0: uh,
1: loving kind inclusive hopefully <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, hopefully, and that's the caveat we have to put on it. It's interesting for me because um, you look over over time. I think humankind has gotten quite a bit of arrogance about it when it comes mm. to uh, you know our ability to manage different things and medicate and vaccinate and all those kind of things. I'm, I'm yeah. absolutely for medication, vaccination, all that kind of stuff, but. Um, You look a hundred years ago, we had the Spanish flu and a hundred years before that we had cholera and a hundred years before that we had the bubonic plague and it's like almost this kind of cycle of reality checks where we have to take a pause and, um, and reassess, um, you know, how we are as a people or, you know, it's kind of, we get isolated in our homes to kind of wait these things out and it's a time for thinking and perhaps... A good time to be talking about deconstruction. Tell me about how you got into this fascinating area of, <laughs> and very poignant area of, you know, content creation and, mm. um, you know, yeah, go. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, well, I was, I was very much. In the world of evangelical charismatic Christianity for a long time, and mm-hmm. I used to—I started writing some thoughts on um, Facebook back when Facebook was just quite a new thing. I started oh, putting when some it was blogs a baby, out. That? Yeah. Um, yeah, when we when we didn't know that it was going to ruin <laughs> our lives and take control of the world. <laughs> that it was science, really.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> this is this like a flashback in Terminator, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I, I started just writing some things and I got asked to go and speak at churches, yeah. conferences and things. Like that. And So I started traveling a lot. And before long, I was traveling all over the world. I was speaking in, in two, 300 places a year. I mean, it was nonstop. Wow. It, it was wow. really, it was great fun. I love it. Um, I'm an introvert though, so it was bloody tiring. Um, <laughs> but I did really love it. But one of the things that I found as I did that, um, and I was kind of going on my own deconstruction on the side, but I really yeah. believed... That the stuff I was growing in and developing and I was like, there's a way to help bring people in the church into some of those things without completely ruining their faith completely, Mm -hmm. you know, blowing up these churches, if I can just come in and package it in the right way and just help people on their journey. But I think people that could see between the lines. Um, could see that I was maybe a somewhat safe person that maybe some of their church leaders weren't and so what would happen is when you traveled Uh is all these people would come up to you at the end of the service and they'd go Phil like can I talk to you about something or um you know they'd come up to you I've got a prayer request it's a bit private though and I'd be like oh come over here and I don't have a prayer request but what I want to talk to you about is (laughs) um and these people were going through really hard um times you know their faith yeah. wasn't measuring up they had yeah. sick family members loved ones that had died they mm-hmm. were losing their jobs uh, and, and they were asking god for answering prayers or whatever especially charismatics expect healing and mm-hmm. that wasn't happening or um, all kinds yeah. of little things or maybe they were getting really into their bible and they start reading it and going jesus this stuff's messed up it doesn't really <laughs> add up too well um, mm-hmm. and so people were coming to me and i was like gosh this is a really big so i thought i was the only person I really did. I was a part of a very big movement um, of charismatic Christianity um, and everyone seemed very happy and content on the whole. Maybe a few people were willing to kind of engage with me some controversial questions here and there, but never (laughs) really that much. Um, And so it's only when I started to travel and I started to speak to thousands of people and I was like, wow, this is like an epidemic. I don't think people realize how big a deal this is. Yeah. Um, now, of course, I'm sure lots of people would I certainly like um, sociologists, anthropologists would have told you this has been going on for quite a while mm-hmm. um, to study religion and, and, and the church. Um, yeah. But within the church, I didn't see it. I just couldn't see it until I started traveling. And so I started kind of mulling over this. And ultimately, I came to the point of like all these people that are content in a conventional church setting. They have a million pastors. They have a million thought leaders. They have a million podcasts and books that are all tailored to help them. And that's great. Like I have a zero desire to kind of chase people out of their faith or out of church. Like I'm not here to like push people into deconstruction. I don't think that's a healthy thing necessarily. Um, I think we we need to wait until we're at a stage where we can actually do that. You know, we're we're wired for safety and our brain won't let us go there most of the time. Um, Yeah. And And it's about that kind of protection
0: of the organism, isn't it, that we're wired to kind of, and I guess scientists would say in an evolutionary way, it's it's deep rooted, our need to protect ourselves. So when a thought becomes difficult um our first instinct is to push it away don't think about that don't engage Mm -hmm. with that we run for the safety but there's a moment in time where you can't push that question down anymore (laughs) yeah um and you know it's a challenging moment when that when that time arrives and i think what you've hit on is something very interesting apart from the safety thing is the 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 aloneness Mm -hmm. uh, that sense of aloneness um and we're going it's to kind of come issue. back to that in a second, but first of all, if, for somebody who's like not experienced church and is listening to this podcast, going, "What the heck are they talking about?" Deconstruction <laughs> is <laughs> basically, um, in basic terms, what would you term deconstruction to be?
1: So, deconstruction—it's—it's it's actually technically a psychological term, um, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe even actually philosophical as well. In the in the fifties, um, some of the post—well, modernist uh, philosophy. Um, coined deconstruction and basically it's based around three components okay so it's based around questioning ones within the concept of church and faith Mm -hmm. Um, it's based around questioning one's faith tradition and finding Mm -hmm. it unable to satisfy their questions so you might go wait a minute are we is is this what christianity is Is this is what jesus is about that we go to church is that what it is or or Mm that do we really believe that god said we should you know slaughter men women and children and do we think that <laughs> that god is the same god that jesus is god like how does yeah. that work or god
0: is love these kind of questions genocidal, yeah. yes you know but does um, contradict <laughs> yeah yeah exactly just so
1: these kind of like yeah. small hiccups um but yeah. which we, which as you said you know we can't see because we're wired for safety we're not wired to question what we trust and feel safe about and mm-hmm. um, the second component is that we in turn after having those questionings we usually have a subsequent need to change one or many of our core beliefs so yeah this is quite different from, um, you know, Christians will grow and change over the years and be quite content in their traditional mm-hmm. upbringing within their conventional faith. These are usually major core belief changes. It might be that you don't believe God is uh, a being yeah. anymore. You might see God as more the universe. Or it might be yeah. that you go, I don't believe Jesus was uh, born of a virgin and died on a cross and rose again or some very, very fundamental things. It might be yeah. smaller things. What 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 is a core belief to one person? Can be very different yeah. to what's a core belief to another and so for some people just believing in hell is a core belief right oh, and you, you oh, find oh, that oh. Out quickly because you can just tell most conventional christians oh i don't believe in eternal conscious torment as a hell model i've got a different model and they immediately go oh
0: you got your heritage you're
1: not even a christian anymore mm-hmm, and it's like mm-hmm, oh that's yeah. a core belief for you <laughs> um yeah. so it, that's that's the second component the third component is that when you go through deconstruction you lose a um a certainty and a fundamentalism mm-hmm in the areas of faith and spirituality. So people that are still very fundamental and certain about faith and spirituality, generally speaking, haven't deconstructed their faith. They've just um, kind of changed or adapted their faith, but they're still very black and white, still very fundamental in it. Um, And so we can find that actually a lot of progressive churches are still very fundamental and often haven't gone through much deconstruction uh, in a lot of areas. Um, And so those are the three main components that you're looking at when you are trying to um, determine have I deconstructed or have other people deconstructed. I try not to judge whether someone else is deconstructed. But in yeah. the research area, I do. You have to, you know, look at the data and go, well, has, is this person deconstructed or not? Um, yeah. and so those are the three markers that, um, generally speaking, we're looking for.
0: Yeah, okay. Now, you've raised something, again, very interesting. There's going to be a million different rabbit holes that I could dive down <laughs> a- along the course of this interview, but, you know, we're just going to roll with it. Um, <laughs> you were saying that churches can be quite fundamental and yet appear quite progressive. Mm. So this this is interesting to me because when we think fundamentalists, we're probably thinking about churches in kind of the back of Utah and women wearing mm-hmm. head coverings and, and long denim skirts, but that's not necessarily the case, according to what you're saying.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, I mean, it is. It's- Absolutely. Mm. Those are very good examples of a very fundamental um, type of church. Um, I I would use fundamental in a much more broad term in a sense where um, one has fundamentals and they are utterly unwilling to let go of them. Yeah. Okay. okay yep, so very black and white, sense. very dualistic, like, no, this is right and everything else is wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And we can find that, you know, so say the progressive church, a lot of the progressive church, people have deconstructed things like women's rights, LGBTQ, mm-hmm. uh, maybe yeah. even concepts of hell. But actually, they're still very rigid on uh, God is... Uh, being that I pray to, if you show up there and go, actually, I don't really know if I see Mm -hmm. God as a person, or maybe they're not, you know, again, Progressive Church is a very broad, wide movement. Um, But still, they can be very black and white, or maybe they're just very fundamental about um, how they approach exclusive people, right? We're inclusive now, so we're going to be really exclusive towards anyone that's exclusive. (laughs) Very complex dynamic. It's a very hard one to navigate. Um, But it can be an element or or an evidence of some fundamentalism, some rigidity Um, when Mm -hmm. you see how the left responds to the right. Right. I mean, this is a great example of um, the left might be less fundamental than the right. uh, When we talk about these kind of like terms as we use them, maybe politically, socially, um, whatever. But it can still be very fundamental. It can still be very black and white and um, can often uh, reveal itself as the other side of a similar coin. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, um, for for whoever it is that's going through this process, it can be a whole lifetime worth of stuff that's built up to a point where they've gone, okay, I've 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 got to I've got to go down this rabbit hole. I've got to ask the questions. It's a deeply uncomfortable time, and they can also feel quite alone. Um, mm. I was quite shocked when, when when that moment happened for me, how lonely that felt. And then all of a sudden there's this explosion of information out there on the internet when you realise you are so far from alone, Mm -hmm. but that can be a toxic place too, because if people have deconstructed into atheism and and you don't want to, or they've deconstructed into some some other type of, you know, Buddhism or Taoism or Mm -hmm. whatever it is that they've deconstructed into, there can be kind of a pressure for people. Well, I have gone through this process of applying critical thinking, and this is the truth that I've arrived at, and that black and white thinking is applied there too. I guess, how do people kind of? What are some of the best practice ways that you've kind of seen out there for, for supporting people through deconstruction?
1: Yeah, so I mean, this is what I do day in day out. I mean, I talk with hundreds of people a week um, mm-hmm. for hours on end, um, <laughs> helping them go on their on their deconstructive journeys. And um, and for me, and and different people have very different models. Um, but mm-hmm. I try and avoid that. Um, that desire to impose anything i believe on anyone else like i'll yeah. frequently say things i don't believe all the time um, because <laughs> it might be an area that someone wants to explore so they might be going oh I'm, I'm deconstructing you know this concept but i'm really scared to let go of you know my concept of jesus and i'm like okay cool well let's like why don't i recommend yeah. some of these books or that book and i'm like i thought those books were okay but they were terrible conclusions in my mind but it might be really <laughs> helpful for you um yeah. and, and actually um i think what, what's happening is when you let go of these certainties, these fundamentals, you realize, well, what's helpful for me in my journey is probably not where I'll end and it's probably not where you'll end and it might not be helpful for you at all in your journey you might take a very different path and so I think it's really important when we're working with people that are going through this process to let them work it out to let them follow their um their natural inquiry their inquisitiveness when they go oh I I wonder what this is about or oh I'm really concerned about this or or questioning this follow it explore it it's it's okay if you want to pick up a book on Taoism if you want to pick up some Buddhist literature read it that's really cool like that'll really explore expose you to new ideas and give you room to explore. Um, the, the danger is that we, we assume that there is a clear-cut trajectory. So this is some mm-hmm. of the stuff we're working on in our research is we do want to kind of track long-term is there somewhat of a linear trajectory that we can see? So, yes, maybe do some people become a slightly more progressive Christian, but are they ultimately all going to become atheists? Now, that's yeah. what your pastor will tell yeah. you. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, that's um, but there's thread, not much evidence. <laughs> for that.
1: So, so far in our research, there's not much evidence to show that at all. Um, a huge yeah. portion of people that are on this journey remain deeply spiritual. Um, and a huge portion of those remain deeply spiritual within the concept of a Orthodox Christianity or a loosely Orthodox Christianity, at least. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not so black and white that everyone's going to be an atheist or some all people will yeah. be an agnostic or it's gonna be a big mix of this stuff because people are different and they've got different journeys, different traumas, different stories um, yeah. and different questions.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think these days I call myself a good Christian ag- agnostic. I think that's mm. what I I don't know. Like um, <laughs> but I love that you you're doing research on this um- and again, this reinforces the the fact. I think if, I think you can use the word fact if there's research um, attached. That this is not this is a this is a phenomenon that a lot of people are experiencing. And yeah. um, you know, gosh, I think it would be nice if the institutions of church would actually go through a similar kind of um, process to look at how we do faith and community. But that's mm. kind of a little soapbox for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay, so there's there's just so many things in here. Um, but i just did want to kind of mark you've mentioned black and white thinking which is um what psychologists might call a cognitive distortion um and this kind of i guess a concern that kind of led to the first steps of deconstruction for me was that we used to know what people believed. We knew Mm -hmm. what the Lutherans believed. We knew what the Methodists believed. We knew what the Salvation Army was on about. But now we've got churches and there's a legion of them Mm -hmm. with really slick marketing, with really charismatic kind of... um, characters at the front of these churches some of them are independent it's unclear what their grievance procedures are or what the hierarchy outside the church structure is and it can be really hard to ask questions within this setting if you're going to a church and you're getting pumped up with community and you're getting pumped up with this kind of um message that might preach prosperity and it's all going to be fine as long as you um follow these rules yeah. um then we start to ask these questions and a lot of the time these charismatic characters at the front don't like to be questioned. <laughs> no. No. So then the, the believer who is going through this process is plunged into a time of deep, deep uncertainty. Um, in terms of self-protection during this time, what do you tell people?
1: It's really tough. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, for some people, it might be okay and healthy to remain in their church environment. Um, Mm -hmm. Others, it's a very good idea to step out of that. Um, It really depends on where you're at, what you need right now. Um, Mm -hmm. So some people have um, got themselves to a place where they can go through that isolation period um, in a healthy and, and decent way. For me, one of the things I recommend people do massively when they start this journey and they can see the writing on the wall of going okay i'm okay treading water in the church right now but yeah. long term i'm gonna probably leave this institution um either by my choice or not um, <laughs> a lot of people don't choose that a lot of people yeah. are, are encouraged uh, strongly mm-hmm. to leave um nudged along the way yes yes, yes uh, with a boot up the ass um, <laughs> but <laughs> um but um I encourage people to be really intentional about trying to build relationships outside of that concept uh, and yeah. construct. Because, uh, generally speaking, most people. So, um, as it stands, about thirty-four percent of people that deconstruct stay in church, which is a very wow. high number. Like that way, high. way higher than I was ever expecting before we started 34%. our research.
0: Thirty-four percent. Yeah,
1: a third of people. Um, wow. Now. What's interesting is we want to start delving into that and track that long term and go, how many of those 34% that are presently staying in church deconstructed, stay in church <laughs> deconstructing? Um, because it will, I imagine, some of those people, in, and this is anecdotal, but I do talk to, I've talked to thousands and thousands of people over the last kind of eight years that I've been doing this, and um, most people long-term ultimately go, okay, I can't do an institutional church. Some start their own house churches or, or do something yeah. like that. Some church start like um, more kind of communal kind of living with different people or um, regularly getting together at the pubs, talk about spirituality mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. But. Most don't survive the institutional church. So while that is a high number, a lot of those people are maybe yeah. early stage deconstruction or um, may may have gone through deconstruction and, and reconstructed something off a Christianity and found a church that, that looks safe to them. Um, yes. and so it's, it's a bit more complex uh, than just the the, the, the stat at, at face value. But the point being, a lot of people are still in church going through this. Um, uh, yeah. For me, it's really important that people start figuring out, OK, What kind of community am I going to have if I um, expose myself or am exposed as believing X and my church immediately goes, no, you can't be a part of this anymore. For some Mm. people, it's not even that. It's your friends go, oh, well, we're not friends with you anymore. I mean, it's it's remarkable to me. People have 20, 30 year old friends um, that immediately overnight just ghost them. You know, it's yep. like there was a yeah. one conversation on Tinder and they got ghosted. But no, this is like 20 <laughs> years of friendship and they're like, oh, you, you don't believe that? We're done with you. Um, it, it's astonishing yeah. to see. Um, but it, it is, is a safety mechanism, like we we're talking about. People need to um, protect themselves. It's a really key component to when you're existentially wrapped up in a religion that is yeah. um, basically, we must believe X, Y, and Z. If you go, well, actually, I believe X, Y, and Q, Everyone goes, oh, gosh, keep this guy at a distance because this is dangerous.
0: Um, and in a lot yeah. of cases, Q could very well stand for queer stuff. That seems to be a big <laughs> bone of contention. I'm of sure that was just yeah, maybe a Freudian slip there. But, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's... Um, In my observation, um, and I haven't got the research, there's a number of different ways that people engage with church um, Mm. and this could affect how or the timeline of their deconstruction, I suppose. My experience growing up is the church was the defining thing. Um, Church wasn't the thing that you did on Sunday. It was the thing you did on Sunday, you did on Wednesday nights and you kind of, there was devotions and there were small groups and there was this kind of quote-unquote covenant relationship and, um, you know, it was very kind of demanding and all-encompassing and you seek God and ask the pastor's advice about, what courses you do at uni and who you marry and what fun, you know like that was the kind yeah. of energy so then step one of deconstruction for me was to go to another church that was less demanding yeah. Um but still I ended up on the music team and still I ended up doing social media and I'm glad I did 100% but like it was I was like oh old habits here but then we noticed that there was another layer there that was kind of placed church less at the centre, like, because church had been the centre of the lives and then we kind of had moved it slightly. We changed the position that church had in our decision-making and stuff. Then we encountered the foyer dudes. And the foyer dudes, they're they're the ones that are kind of like... They love the community, I think, and I suspect really enjoy just crash, You know, just not having the kids kind of in their ears yeah. and you know, <laughs> kind of sit and chat in the foyer while while the message is going on. And and then there's the people who are kind of like, oh, you know, I'm happy to listen to podcasts or have beers with friends and talk like philosophers as we mm-hmm. do. Um, so I mean, deconstruction from that kind of. F- philosophy pub kind of scenario would be a lot less jarring than it would be from that first scenario when life is wrapped up in church and church is wrapped up in life absolutely wouldn't it? absolutely mm.
1: and this and this reveals that i mean we are all seeking something quite unique when we approach something like a church community this is a beauty mm. of churches it's why it works so well is it does um help us in a lot of ways when we need it um mm. so if you look at this psychologically um people develop in stages generally speaking and so most of us um go through stages of quite un- uh, a lot of uncertainty turmoil um it might be uh, quite crazy um mm-hmm. and we tend to, after that, seek a stage of certainty, safety, and security, like I was mentioning, and yeah. then this is where the church thrives. Um, yeah. But beyond that, af- to cr- to have these stages of certainty, safety, and security, you have to give up a lot of your personal individual autonomy. You have to yeah. um, give up uh, maybe quite a bit of rational and logical thinking, because you have to just take for granted whatever mm-hmm. the authority says. So if the authority mm-hmm. is the Bible, um, or at least one person's reading of the bible yeah. um if you engage with this too much you might come to a different conclusion and and you can't really do that so we we stop engaging with it at a certain level we kind of engage with it at a shallow level where we can just keep mm-hmm. um seeing what we're told to see um so once you start pushing past that you move into a, a later stage um which yeah. is much more rational logical it's very individualistic um and yeah. And it will struggle with a lot of what the church is providing but the point being that the church is not a bad thing it's a fantastic Mm. thing they've shown this in some studies which is fascinating if if you go into prisons they've shown um churches that are very progressive and a progressive churches tends to um be that last group or even a bit later at times they're not looking for certainty security and safety as much there's still a bit Mm -hmm. of a blend of that um but they generally are much more rational logical they're trying to be more inclusive and create personal autonomy you know oh let's Mm -hmm. include You know, every uh, type of person, every background, every life, you know, um, and let them be themselves. It's it's very different in a sense. What they did was they sent. Um different groups from different churches into prisons. Now, prisons are at that first stage I mentioned. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, there's a lot of stages before that, and there's a lot of stages after the last one I mentioned, yeah. but I'm just grouping yeah. these three. Um, yeah. But when you go into a prison, they're very much at that first stage. There's mm-hmm. turmoil, there's violence, there's uncertainty, there's yeah. greed, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of individualism, but it's at a much more, more um egotistical, kind of narcissistic kind of stage. Yeah, um yeah, you might yeah. think maybe like a toddler at the terrible twos be a good example of this stage <laughs> yeah, 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 um but uh so what they found was you would think these more enlightened and advanced churches right that are looking for including everyone and all these different things well they would have a much better job you know helping these prisoners the truth mm-hmm. is they had very poor success in prisons the the, really? the people that had great success in prisons were the the traditional conventional churches that offered safety security and certainty really because that's the next stage that you need to grow into. You don't get to kind of uh-huh. skip these stages. You don't get to go from being a, a narcissistic egomaniac to an enlightened <laughs> individual. Uh, you usually have to give up a lot of your, your self-individualism and actually learn about group dynamics and giving up yourself to serve another. And a lot of these things yeah. that the church does in a really, um, maybe unhealthy way at times and maybe healthy ways at other yep. times, but quite essential way in one way or another Mm -hmm. for a lot of us and so a lot of us we find maybe you just had a bunch of kids and your life is crazy (laughs) right now and you go good god if i could have just a crash once a week that would be a life (laughs) so you know we joke about that but that's a great example of that (laughs) first stage feeling that first stage very much and and finding a relief in that second stage you don't need a philosophical discussion at a pub when you've got you know a four-year-old a a two-year-old and a baby you're just like no get take me to the place that has a crush and i don't even care what they're saying at the front i'll i'll map you know Um, i feel
0: like you're looking into my soul right now because i have a four-year-old and a two-year-old oh there you go you know (laughs) so find you a crush and you're happy (laughs) yeah it was just like there was a coffee machine by the door there was a crash you know i was was willing to (laughs) sing my soul out for that and you know what that that church provided a beautiful um community for me and a beautiful recovery space in a lot of ways mm, and i'm yeah. very very thankful for them and yep. you know and kind of plunged straight from um like left that church um <laughs> well actually covid 19 happened and it was just kind of online church and we've only just moved to melbourne uh, right. to covid central um in the last kind of <sighs> few weeks which was Impeccable timing on my behalf, but anyway. <laughs> and so the deconstruction kind of c- continues in a lot of ways. But, mm-hmm. um, one thing I've noticed from my travels a lot, there are some common issues that pop up and I don't know whether you're comfortable kind of speaking to issues of course, in and of themselves. But one issue was, is, um, the LGBT and inclusion and women. That's one mm-hmm. issue. But another issue is the fear of hell is yep. big for a lot of people who are deconstructing huge um wh- what have you come across in your tracks around that particular topic
1: sure i mean there's a lot of options when you look at hell because hell is never a black and white topic when we look at our bibles and so if you're in a christian tradition which i'm assuming most of your audience are, are within that or are coming out of that out um, of that
0: usually or damaged uh, yeah. by or you know
1: recovering staggering out of that um, staggering twitching yeah. with, you know there's a few there's knives bubbles. in the background <laughs> yeah. uh, find me a hospital Um yes. but generally speaking I mean the Jews didn't believe in a hell anyway the Jews didn't really believe in an afterlife overly mm. um, o- only until about three four hundred BC did they start engaging with the concept of afterlife uh, particularly they, some believed that you might be granted immortality if you were especially good and amazing wow, and okay. you know and good to god you know maybe enoch or david but generally they thought you'd be worm food um, and so they only <laughs> engaged with um they're very atheist they really were in that context of, of what mm-hmm. they thought about the afterlife it was only when they were exposed to zoroastrianism with the babylon um right uh, t- takeover and um, intermingling with babylon the zoroastrian was <sighs> very very heavily all about the afterlife there was the good brother the bad brother the hell the heaven and they started to incorporate that into their faith um, many of them so by the time jesus comes on the scene it is a topic of of debate but it is a debate there's lots of debate about what it would look like was it even real so some people were like no that's stupid that's that new zoroastrian stuff we're we're traditional jews we don't go for that stupid crap that's a modern you know you know bastardization of what the gospel is or whatever um so at Jesus's point, there's different views. And you can actually see this in the gospel writers. There's, there's different uh, gospel writers that clearly have very different opinions. So mm-hmm. um, Matthew was a little bit more traditional. He, he seemed to believe that um, at the best uh, for an afterlife, uh, there were people that would go to heaven um, and there were other people that would, be, they would just perish. They would end yeah. up done. Um, but yes. they might they might be punished and then end up done. Um, so there, there'd be like this temporary, you know. So you got to think, right? You know, you know Barbara that lives next door who's not a Christian. She didn't say the prayer, but she's kind of a good person. Is yeah. she going to be in hell for as long as Hitler? Or is yeah. there kind uh, of yes, like yes. a all right, Barbara? You've been in here for twenty minutes, but to be honest with you, you're pretty good. So you're just dust now. And then Hitler, no, you've got a couple more billion years, mate. You know, <laughs> stick another pineapple oh. up his butt, or you know, whatever the punishment <laughs> is. Um, And so that was that was one view that was um, very, very popular in in the Jewish culture, which was kind of a blend of the Zoroastrianism, but kind of also held quite uh, close to their traditional roots. Um, yeah. the more heavily Zoroastrian view was what we have quite commonly today, which really only became very, very popular through, um, Dante's writings. Yes. Um, and that is, and the, no, 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 good. it won't be temporary. This is going to be eternal punishment with like a whole nother spectrum of levels for people that are bad. You know, Hitler's at the worst level and, you know, Barbara's yeah. in hell for eternity, trillions and trillions of years, but it'll be like, you know, slightly less bad, you know, maybe not yeah. pineapple, some, a smaller fruit maybe,
0: um, <laughs> Grapes. But, uh,
1: yeah. Yes, um, let's try to stay away from that topic. <laughs> but, uh, no, you're fine. I'm just like, my mind does not do well with these things. Um,
0: oh, God. But I find it interesting because, uh, you know, Christianity claims to be the first monotheistic religion. And, yeah, mm. Zoroastrianism really was, wasn't
1: it? Uh... It's complex because, in a sense, it wasn't. In Zoroaster was um, there was two brothers, and so the, uh, the god uh-huh, was yes, the main god. The two brothers were then the good brother, the bad brother, who yeah. kind of reigned over hell, reigned over um, heaven, yeah. and caused all good and caused all evil yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that is i mean it, it's it's largely when theology of satan really kicked off and satan used to be a part of god all the way through mm. most of uh, the jewish scriptures or yeah. at least a messenger for god and, uh, and on god's team and then it was yeah. only later in the later text that we see satan completely separated and he becomes this enemy he's like the other and he's basically yeah. the bad brother in zoroaster um yeah. But anyway, the point being that in yeah, when we're talking about hell, there's a few different <laughs> options yeah. already at Jesus' point. And there were already some people that were going, well, surely a God that's really good would ultimately let everyone in somehow. Mm. Um, and so there was different perspectives, and we see these different perspectives bleeding in through our scriptures. You'll see yeah. Paul in his later writings does seem more um, inclusive, more universal reconciliation. Matthew is very, very, um, annihilationism is the, the term of for yeah, yeah. a temporary Punishment, or or just a ceasing to be, um, but then there are some texts in there as well that are very much oh that looks like eternal conscious torment. Um, yeah. The point being, however, that for a long time after the Bible had its period at the end of Revelation twenty one, you're not allowed to add to this anymore because that's obviously what that means. Um, <laughs> the the church tolerated all three of those main broad views for a very long time. It was actually very yeah. late before the third view kind of fell out of vogue um because yeah. some people um basically incorporated quite what were termed heretical concepts within it. So they would say, well okay. yeah, everyone will ultimately be um with God, but Jesus has nothing to do with it. Or or well, minute, it's right. not really even a God. And that people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. So they they started to write off one view because of some other views. Um yeah. but actually for the first thousand plus years, all three kind of Coexisted. Now, that's not to say you won't mm-hmm. find people in the early church going. That view's stupid. I don't believe that. Yeah, of course, yeah, people yeah. still air their opinion and, and say what they think about other people's opinions. Yeah, but it's even not black Facebook and white.
0: that happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, it was just slower
1: by a letter. Yes,
0: but Settle yeah, so, so that was. It,
1: it's it's yeah. really only. The eternal conscious torment is the most popular view predominantly because of Dante, but then secondarily because it was the main view of those that birthed the Protestant movement. And the Protestant Mm -hmm. movement shifted away from being a faith um, that was lived out into a faith that was ascribing to certain beliefs. And when your faith is, I must believe X, Y, and Z, if Z is eternal conscious torment hell... Well, you can't put it down. You can't explore other ideas. So uh, all this to say, for people that are Christian and this is their big stumbling block, you can remain Christian if you want. That's not a concern. There are lots of good opportunities to explore that. Um, I've got some introductory material on my website. There's great books out there. Brad Jerzak's Her Gates Will Never Be Shut is a fantastic book exploring that. Um, (laughs) There's loads and loads of books. Send me a message on Instagram and I'll happily hook you up with loads of uh, links and stuff. Um, But yeah, so so there's lots of options here. But it Mm. is, like you said, generally speaking, um, something that kickstarts people going, whoa, 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 this doesn't add up. This doesn't make sense. And they start then to ask more questions. They start to Mm. go well, yeah, but what about God who's killing men and women and children and all the animals mm-hmm. too in the Old Testament? It's, that doesn't look like Jesus. I don't really understand that. Or what about yeah. God who's going, oh, well, you know, like, I don't like gay people. They're really yeah. bad. Let's stone them. You know, very black yeah. and white, very um, uh, very fundamental approach to, to these kind of concepts. And so people yeah. start to look into those deeper. And generally speaking, what you'll find is a lot of people assume deconstruction is for people that just kind of drift away from church. They kind of aren't that interested, aren't that passionate the data is actually the opposite the people that drift away are the most passionate um, and that most makes sense involved to me yeah so and it's because they look too closely they really really do their work they go gosh i'm really concerned about this i want to figure it out more and so they dive in deeper and what happens is the, they, you know, it's it's pulling the thread of the rug and you start pulling the threads and before long yeah. you're holding a big ball of twine and you've nothing to stand on. Um, <laughs> and that really is what happens to the deconstructionist um, most of the time. The, yeah. When you look at um, across the board, if you grabbed hundred people that are deconstructed and a hundred people that are content in their church, um, in that group of people that are deconstructed, you find way more leaders, way more pastors, way more yeah. passionate people that went three, four times a week um, than you would in the other group of people that are conventionally content in their church. You'd still find pastors, leaders, people that go multiple yeah. times a week but you wouldn't find that same uh degree um because it generally does um show that the the people that have deconstructed de- tended to do so because of a passionate pursuit of god not yeah. actually a disinterest giving up on god um which is fascinating i
0: love this because i think something that um i've heard repeated a lot is oh, i'm not backsliding and there's that term that has been, oh, you know, this person's walked away from church, they've backslidden, and it's this this badness that is kind of ascribed to them because they no longer toe the line of, of, you know, belief or behaviour according to the, um, the institution that they were a part of. Um, but what you're saying here is actually kind of the opposite, is that passionate pursuit is that, you know, these are the people that are doing the work. So if you're listening at home and you're deconstructing, hey, this is a big tick of approval. I think this is a, actually, you know, it's a, it's a mark of, um, you know, something good. Um, so, um, I'm interested, you know, in terms of, um, sorry, I've just, I'm just listening next door and no, I thought I heard a baby cry, but it's fine. (laughs) And I love how this kind of knocks you right off your perch You're like, I had a really good question and then I heard a noise.
1: I know, I know. You
0: know, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, uh, how do a lot of these deconstructionists, as you call them, I like that word, um, how, th- those who that don't deconstruct into atheism, what, what are some of the structures that they're kind of coming up with in order to manifest a healthier version of church?
1: Yeah, well, like I said, a good portion um, will end up in the progressive church, either as yeah. a stopping point or, or ultimately end there um Mm -hmm. some get to a place where they actually want to go back into very conventional traditional churches and try and change them from the inside um that is not for many people i highly recommend uh against doing doing that that if you've not (laughs) been doing it for long i think Mm -hmm. that's a very very psychologically stable person that has a lot of um yeah yeah, very very uh, self-aware knows who they are has a very good support structure outside can do that maybe but I wouldn't recommend it generally uh, especially if you're like yeah. oh I've been doing this for five minutes I'll just stay in my church and try and change it from me inside out you would die inside uh, almost nine yeah. times out of ten um so yeah. I you know it's possible but it, it's unlikely Not a lot of people mm. start building northern communities going to the pub yeah. hanging out and um, having people around frequently and just exploring what that looks like but Generally speaking, whatever it's going to look like, you have to be aware that you are not going to find, So, or, or you might, and so these options are very common for people that are looking for a Protestant model of faith, which is a yeah. model of faith where we all believe the same thing. So now we've, we've got rid of hell, but we all believe this option for hell. You know, yeah. this is the one. So don't believe number two. got to believe three, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, oh, that version of number three? Mm, okay, you can be in. You can be in. But no, not that version of three. Right? And so um, yeah. this is very... So what happens is we we still are deeply Protestant in our concepts. We still... And Protestant just means to protest. It, is, it, you know, yeah. it, it literally is. We protest when someone believes something different. Um, yeah. And that's why you have 40,000 Protestant churches, <laughs> or, you know, denominations and, and sects. Um, yeah. Every time someone changed their idea, they they split. Um, And so the danger is that 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 can work for some people. But generally speaking, as you deconstruct, you you are going to lose less certainty. And if you're going to need that agreement and that everyone believes exactly the same thing, you're going to end up alone nine times yeah. out of ten you are going to end up alone now this is quite fascinating because there is zero reason to be alone in this process because uh, yeah. if you look at uh, uh, america alone so america's where i've got the data on. i'm afraid i don't yeah. have anything for australia america alone <laughs> 2700 people leave the church every <laughs> single day every day and that's every not day. go Goodness. from one church to another that's no I've i've moved around churches or i've been in one church my whole life but i'm done And so every day someone is completely done with church, 2,700 people. Now, of that, 78% still have spiritual faith. So Mm -hmm. basically 2,000 plus people still have some sort of faith. Now, if you're willing to engage with someone that goes, yeah, I still am exploring spirituality. I'm still asking questions. I have a background in Christianity. I'm not sure if that's where I'm going to end up or not, but I'm willing to do that journey with you. You're yeah. going to have no problem finding people in your community and connecting with them. And I say no problem. It will still, you know, it's not like you can go to, if you leave the Baptist church because you're a <laughs> charismatic, you can go to yeah. a charismatic church, you know where to go, you know. Yeah. Just yeah. Google charismatic churches in my area. But there's not so much, you, you can't Google uh, where do all the people that are pissed off with church and deconstructing their faith meet every Tuesday you know it's like that, that's not necessarily a thing in your area the
0: podcast could be a thing though for that there one. you go um, <laughs> um, but yeah that, that's it's, a, it's a it's really a, tricky thing it's a so tricky it,
1: dynamic and, and I, I actually set up a website for that purpose because I, people I, I would get messages oh. every day of people going do you know anyone in Sydney do you know anyone in Paris do you, have you ever met someone in Portland you know and I'm like yes yeah. yes yes but I don't know I can't remember every single person yeah. I, I can tell you I've talked to people in those areas but I can't remember which person <laughs> I can't just give you their details um, and yeah. so I created a website where you literally could just register your as a dot on a map people could search yeah. you know 50 mile radius of sydney click it or kilometers i know you guys yeah have kilometers yeah um, kilometers. i'm <laughs> used to america's man um, and you know you could you could click on people in your radius send them a message to go hey i'm going through this i'm in sydney like mm. do you want to meet up sometime or chat a bit on skype so we can see if yeah. like you know we might be able to kind of provide each other some sort of camaraderie. Um, yeah. And so I, I set up something like that because I, I just want more people to connect. And so there's more and more things like that. I just heard there's something like that happening in Germany as well, where they're trying to create oh, like a, a space to exist in, and coexist. There's a lot of people in Australia already on that website, actually. Um, ah, but I think it's about 1,500 people or so. It's called the oh. deconstructionnetwork.com. Oh, how fabulous. Um, All right. And so it's a great resource for people. This, I mean, everything I ever create is free. So there's no charges. There's no... I I'm not no gotchas. I'm not going to screw you over. I'm not going (laughs) to sell your emails or anything like that. It's just I genuinely is mostly because I couldn't answer the question people kept asking. I was like, well, we should just figure this out, how we can help people. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it is lonely, though. So until you find those people, it can be very lonely. And I think one of the big things that you're going to find is you need to be able to let go of your black and white Uh, fundamental dualisms um, because otherwise you're really going to struggle because some people will have deconstructed into um, a more agnostic position or an atheistic position but they still have that Mm. history of Christianity. They still are good people. They're still pursuing what is Good and true and whole, and actually they're pretty amazing people to be around to have some sort of relationship with. A lot of my friends have, have done that, and honestly, yeah. I get just as much out of that than the, the friends I have that have stayed within some sort of concept of Christianity. Um, mm. I'm not telling people that's what they have to do. If, if you, you can't do that, and you need to find people that are still within that, that's fine. Yeah. But you will struggle if if you're going on your own deconstruction journey of figuring out what you believe, because what you believe is not going to be what someone else believes. Uh, Yeah, that's exactly
0: it. And you know, psychologically speaking, every time that we have an experience, we carry all of our prior experiences our values our voids and all of those things into our perception of that moment so it's impossible Mm to you know (laughs) find people who are going to treat the same encounter the same belief or doctrine the same way um and i i read a meme during the week um that i've just been thinking of as we've been kind of sitting and talking that um when when you read the bible for yourself atheism is what happens and when you let somebody else read the bible for you religions what happens and i Mm. laughed at the meme but i don't find it to be true because Mm. increasingly i'm finding there's emerging fields in science that are starting to point back to something called the quantum field or that's mm-hmm. you know inexplicable and and people who are looking at life through the scientific method um, you know and real diehard fans of the scientific method are, are kind of stepping back and going no there's something out here that we can't explain mm-hmm. um, and so I think if you start pulling at the thread, and this can be a point of fear for a lot of people I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to pull this thread and then realize, <laughs> why did he send Jesus anyway? And, you know, like... <laughs> There's, a, <laughs> lot There's a lot of threats that can be terrified, threats. There's a lot of threats. Um, and if, if you're kind of scared of pulling at that thread, you know, like, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to deconstruct into atheism. And I've got mm. a beautiful friend who actually has taken quite a spiritual walk, and um, she's actually a practitioner of chaos magic and an intuitive kind of spirit um, like spirit guide type of a person but actually still has a really deep respect for Jesus and the Christian faith tradition just can't stand church and I'm so (laughs) totally with her on that so if you like yeah deconstruction and atheism they're not mutually exclusive
1: they're they're not at all
0: mutually exclusive and there's a million different ways to to do this Um, I've noticed humour like you we've laughed a lot over the course of this interview Mm. I've been holding back this. as well. <laughs> yeah. I thought you might be. I'll well, s- I my my, my podcast is realize- two
1: or three hours, so I was like, well, uh, well, we don't have as much time. Don't mess around as much, Phil. Focus, 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 <laughs> focus,
0: focus. Talk fast. Well, hey, I can always get you back for another interview. I feel That's like we have true. a lot of a lot of stuff to cover. <laughs> so okay, so there's a lot of resources that that you've um, thrown out, and mm. I've I've noticed that like your Instagram feed is funny. Like, there's a lot of really informative tiles but there's also a lot of humor and i think if we approach deconstruction without humor it's it's, it's going to be harder isn't it like
1: yeah i mean you know. approaching anything without humor is just a bad <laughs> idea um like literally if, i don't think there's any anything that brings mm. uh, more uh power to get through something than, than a good <laughs> laugh honestly um yeah, yeah I, I think the hardest yes. moments in my life i've i've, I've joked the hardest it's um, maybe yeah. some terrible coping mechanism in a psychologist to be like, "Good God, that man is just totally broken." Um, but yeah, no, I think I, for me, I, I've always um, worked on the principle, and, and this is maybe comes back to my my roots of traveling and speaking in churches, where mm-hmm. I was generally speaking being really careful to just give them little breadcrumbs here and there, not pushing them yep. too hard. But generally speaking, people still got really pissed off and scared yep. and upset when you share something that they're not sure about or they're you know mm-hmm. worried about. Um, and, and generally speaking, all I would do is make sure I give them a good laughter sandwich. You know, if you can make them laugh, drop yep. in something that gives them a total existential crisis and then mm-hmm. make them laugh again. Here we go. Yep. We're fine. And, and they, they, they've forgotten on some level and they can just they, let it settle and mull. And <laughs> yeah. um, but they're laughing and they don't realize. Wait, I thought I was really angry for a second there, but no, it's fine. It must be fine. <laughs> um, so that's part of my strategy, I think. But also, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. I, I, I just... My wife would tell you, I do nothing seriously. And I joke the whole time and it drives her insane at times. Uh, But it's also (laughs) why she married me. Um, uh, but, yeah, so, so, I, so I don't do anything without humour. Um, it's
0: potentially a case of the thing she loved most being the thing that drives her bonkers the most there you at go. this point. The, but, you know, I think I, I always tell people when it comes to deconstruction or losing faith in community, what you really need is uh, good humour, good coffee, good therapist and good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, it, it's a long process. And um, I think I'm at the point in my deconstruction now where I'm, I'm a bit addicted to it. I really like it. I don't know where I'm going. But I'm fine with that, <laughs> and I think the thing that th- that's been the most helpful is being being okay with uncertainty. I find yeah. it so much less pressure than having to have all the answers and having to be the beacon of God's love on earth all the time. Yeah. And you know, eternal—it's it's, it's freeing. It's 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 a nice place to be, yeah, but it's also absolutely. a terrifying place to be in the beginning. Um, it is, yeah. And, and you've got a lot
1: of trauma wrapped up into that as well. It's so a, a big hell, thing yeah. that um, people are only now becoming more and more aware of is um there's kind of a subset of complex ptsd called religious trauma syndrome rts boom
0: i was thinking i was going to ask you about that Mm. but you've beat me to the punch it was
1: um it was kind of um coined by a woman called marlene monnell and she's got a fantastic Mm -hmm. book but i will warn you she's an atheist and she's very Um, anti-religion but she's got a fantastic (laughs) book if you can power through that um, called leaving the fold and it is very very helpful for people that are Really struggling with trauma. Like, yeah. you know, when, when we talk about so when you talk about something like PTSD, generally speaking, one of the main markers is that there has been a, um, a, a very uh, real experienced threat of, of harm or death. Now, yeah. that can be uh, quite a psychological threat yeah. of death or harm, you know, so it doesn't need to be a physical threat necessarily. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, that can be a major component in developing PTSD for people. Yeah. Now, yeah. what bigger threat of harm or death is there than Hell. the most powerful person in the universe is standing there with a big stick ready to torture you for eternity or make you completely <gasps> dead, right? That's yes. a that's a pretty traumatizing thing. Um, yeah. And generally speaking, we have been we've been conditioned not to go through this process. We've been conditioned mm-hmm. if you start asking questions, you're going to hell. We've been conditioned if you change your belief about this, you're going to hell. Yeah, you know, it's, it's over and over. If we've been conditioned, if you don't believe in hell, you're going to hell. Um, yeah. I, I have people that message me. One person in particular, I remember strongly because they yeah. were like, "Phil, I haven't believed in eternal conscious torment for twelve years," and then he and said. Yet. I literally at least once a week still wake up and have to change the bed sheets. They're so soaked in sweat oh my
0: gosh. Oh my
1: because gosh. I'm having night terrors about going yeah. to hell in case I was wrong. Mm. Um, and he's like, and I don't believe it. I can sit up and logically go, wow, that's crazy. I don't believe in a God like that. I don't believe in a hell like that, but on some level that guy is still working through that, that process. And, you know, generally speaking, I'm, I'm very strong of, please go see therapists. You know, there are great therapists yeah. that are, are, um, you know, really well-versed in this co- this topic, in this concept. Um, it's really yeah. healthy to do that. What I would say is, at all costs, r- avoid Christian therapists. Um,
0: oh, amen. <laughs> th-
1: now, that's not to say... I've, I feel bad because there are some great Christian therapists that are probably yes. caught in that yeah. baby out with absolutely. the bathwater. Absolutely,
0: absolutely.
1: Um, a lot of Christian therapists really struggle to navigate the ethical lines that they are required to navigate in yep. that concept. They yep. they really struggle to see the 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 trauma that their faith can produce um, given mm-hmm. the right circumstances, and and so they they are not really equipped to help you through that process. There's a great um, movement called the Secular Therapy Project, um, yep. where basically it's therapists that understand religious trauma. They are not Christian anymore. Um, yeah. And they have committed to treat you secularly. So, solely That's... based on a secular principle of psychology, which is how any psychologist yeah. should be treating you anyway. But here we go. That's yeah. required. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I was, I was recommend people as well be wary of this. Like, uh, uh, there's a very real problem chance that going through this is going to trigger some really scary stuff for you it's going to really cause you to be really upset really scared you know i speak to lots and lots of people that are terrified they have absolute existential crises because they don't even know if there's a god anymore or they don't know if it will what will happen to me long term what happens if there's no hell like i can't deal with the fact that i might just become worm food for for eternity (laughs) you know in, in like 30 years or whatever that's really hard to process now even if that's not where you land, a lot of people have to go through that. So yeah. even if you stay within the Christian concept and, and, and so on and so forth, a lot of people have to navigate through some form of uh, existential atheism or at least afterlife atheism, some, some sort of thought of like this might not be. And that's just the question this might not be is terrifying for people to process. But
0: if they're going through deconstruction, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's not something you do for fun. It's no. something that you do because this question is bubbling up. It's not like you have a choice to do or not to do. Like your your brain is taking you there, your life is taking you there, the bubble has popped. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I, I'm I'm also gonna just footnote this one. For people who live in Australia, we are a very rural mm. um nation just by virtue of our size i want to say this shop around for a good therapist because not all generalists are going to be equipped to handle this kind of stuff um i remember uh very early on in my journey i've been to a couple of different therapists over the years and I would have to explain certain concepts and there would be a, a bit of shock or a bit of, oh, tell me what that means and or they'd have to go and research and then come back the next week. And I felt like I was kind of instructing them a little bit in how to handle <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so you don't need that, um, but there are some brilliant therapists out there yep. um, that can really handle this well. And um, thankfully, COVID nineteen has actually um, forced this rural island nation of Australia to um, think about ways of service delivery that <laughs> that kind of meet people's needs a little bit better. So mm. you know, hunt around for a good therapist is, is something that I'd say. And I think this probably brings me to the last comment that we probably have time for tonight. Mm. Um, I think one thing that a lot of deconstructors would have to deal with is the idea that they can think for themselves mm. because a lot of the time church it puts you in a situation where you can really lobotomize yourself for a couple of hours of every Sunday and let that be the the guiding light of your life. Um tips for helping people kind of feel comfortable in that space?
1: It's part of the journey. You, you know, it's yep. it's not something that's going to be for most people. It's not something that you're going to instantly, you know, switch a switch, you'll be fine mm-hmm. doing. A lot of people have always been, this person you know so yeah. even in church you've always been a, the pain in the ass for people that always <laughs> ask questions it always kind of is thinking and yeah that's maybe what's led you here and so mm-hmm. some people find this transition um easier than others yep. um it's still not easy but it's easier um mm-hmm. but generally speaking if that's not you this is this is a new skill this is not something the church particularly equips people to do most of the time um and so you need to um you know so easy on yourself. Reads lots of. Uh, I think, generally speaking, I would encourage study of uh, stage modern philosophy, or maybe even postmodern. Yeah. But you're probably not ready for postmodern philosophy. that might just send you <laughs> into existential crisis. But um, yeah. a lot of Before modern philosophy you know uh, this is this is i mean the world has been doing this since the enlightenment so the church yeah. people coming at the church have a lot of catching up you know we're we're about you know 100 plus years 200 yeah. years out you know we we mm-hmm. really we really are not um equipped for this and so don't expect it to be easy don't expect it to happen overnight um cut mm-hmm. out stuff that's toxic cut out all yeah. your social media that's just Triggering you, upsetting you, freaking you out. Find some really healthy people to follow on um, on Instagram, Facebook, whatever you're on. Um, Find people that are psychologists. Find people that are trained to help people on this journey. Find um, people. I'm I'm not big on Facebook, but on Instagram, there are so many accounts that are literally helping people go through this process of coming out of toxic religion and uh, fundamental faiths. And so there's no shortage of ways to feed yourself in a way that empowers you it teaches you that you are an autonomous person that you deserve an individuality um to teach you how to be part of a group in a more healthy and inclusive way um there's lots and lots of resources so i would i would just really focus on feeding on that build healthy community around yourself as well the the community Mm -hmm. aspect i cannot stress how important it is for you to um work towards building a healthy community um friends that are there for you that that are you're able to be yourself around. You know, most of yeah. us that, as we're going through this process, we realize more and more. I have to cover uh, who I am. I have to hide who I am. Uh, I used to use the analogy of putting a mask on, but that really screwed up by COVID. Um, <laughs> but you know, we put this mask on. This this kind of like, oh, I'm a good, healthy Christian that looks just like you, mm-hmm. um, and we walk around with that mask on at church, and everyone goes, oh, look at Phil! Isn't he a fantastic yeah. evangelical Christian um, that is? perfect in every way and Mm -hmm. and that feels good to be accepted by the community and 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 functioning community and we know if we take the mask off we're not going to be accepted anymore um but what happens is you you get in your car at the church car park and you take your mask (laughs) off and put it on the chair and you know that mask (laughs) is glowing with love and acceptance and you know all that good stuff and you are left with nothing because they don't love and accept you for who you are Um, and actually it's some of the most painful uh, stuff you can do is to keep putting that mask on, and keep going into church, and 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 then allowing people to love a person that you aren't, while the person you are feels more and more unloved, more and yeah. more unacceptable. Um, yeah. And so, find people that love you without a mask, right? No, I'm yeah. not talking about COVID. Wear a mask for God's sake, right? But um, <laughs> oh
0: but... My gosh, there's mask deniers. I just I can't even. <laughs> but anyway, that's another thing. Um... <laughs>
1: yeah, that's yeah. yeah, a whole other level. But you know, find yeah. people that love you for who you are that will do so much for allowing you to come out of your shell to be yourself that is yeah. a huge huge deal um, and that yeah. is a
0: beautiful thing when you find it and sometimes yeah. the easy places to look aren't the right places to look church has been an easy place and look it is a good yeah. thing for many people i i do believe in church but um i also believe that sometimes you have to find your tribe somewhere else um yeah. now where where can we find you on the interwebs sure
1: i mean you can find me almost anywhere is where i'll respond to you is probably a much shorter list um i've just had to prioritize so instagram 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 i am active on instagram for hours a day i talk with people i help people through this process i provide Mm -hmm. countless free resources most of them you'll find through instagram through my bio links and stuff like that yeah so i'm just phil drysdale p-h-i-l-d-r-y-s-d-a-l-e um i almost always concerned I'm gonna spell my name wrong. You can find my <laughs> yeah. website, Phil the same spelling, believe it or not, dot com. Um I also have the deconstruction network is a great place for you to try and find other people in your area. Um that's mm-hmm. a great place to start if you're on this journey at least. Um again yeah. with a caveat that not everyone's deconstruction looks the same. So you might find some three people in your neighborhood, but one of them might be an atheist, one might be kind of still Christian and one might be an agnostic. And you can pick one or you can go, okay, cool. Well let's just do life. Let's see how it goes. That's still going to give me someone that loves me for who I am and understands the painful journey I'm going through. Um, So that's a great resource for that. For people that are still um, trying to hold on to um, some form of Christian faith, I've got a website called The Grace Course, again, completely free. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's got lots of video resources teaching on a whole bunch of different teachings. However, how we can see um, some of those topics in more loving, kind, gracious, Christ-like uh, nature of God ways um, so mm-hmm. we talk about hell we talk about um, prayer, prophecy faith uh, you know Ooh, identity okay. um, I've got is, a whole series amazing. on um, on human psychological development um, yeah. which is very important for, for in my opinion it's one of the most important things you can kind of study is how you psychologically develop have developed and will develop yeah. and how other people around you are because you can understand where people are that you're relating to and how to live related to them well ah, um, and i have got i have got a i've got a seven hour course on um homosexuality teaching all the different views and how different yep. views approach different passages topics science mm-hmm. history um not telling you what you should believe but just pr- giving you all the options which is generally speaking not what people do but um, yeah. <laughs> My, my heart is it's to not help as cut and dry decisions.
0: as, as it make, they make it sound. Um, no, not <laughs> sure. absolutely. Yep. All right. Wow. There's a lot of content um, that, that, uh, that you've pumped out. And just thank you so, so much for this session and for, yeah, of for all of these uh, different, um, you know, opportunities that you've put out there for people. So Phil Drysdale, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I could talk for another hour, but um, maybe we'll save that for another week.
1: Yeah, sure. It'd be great. <laughs> all right. Thank you.